It's an interesting thing when you're going to preach about anxiety and you get up to preach and all of a sudden you've had more anxiety maybe than ever when you preach. So uh, it it is amazing to me every time I, I do this how God takes the message and he preaches it to me more than I can ever imagine. And um, so this may be all for me, but I have a feeling that it's probably um, a lot for you as well. I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess that there's people in this room that worry. There's people in this room that deal with anxiousness and anxiety and fear and those kind of things. So that's what God has placed on my heart. This morning, and so hopefully we're going to look at that, and I'm going to uh, we're going to show you, or I am going to show you um, reasons that we shouldn't be that way, and ways that we overcome that. So let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I thank you, God, for this morning. I thank you for the songs we sang, uh, just for turning my heart to you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would take control of my heart, that you would take control of my words, and that you would deliver this message, and that it would be strengthening to your bride. God, I thank you for those who are here, who you have providentially placed amongst us today, and, and I just thank you, God, for this congregation, um, for this for this church that you've, that you've blessed us with, this gathering of saints, God, that you have, that you've just placed us in and and, uh, the edification I get from just being around them. I thank you for Nate's message this morning and and, um, just for him and his family and the faithfulness that they have. And God, I just pray now for this word, for your word to take root in our hearts, to turn the unbelieving parts of our heart back to Christ, back to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was thinking about anxiety, it's been a word that you hear a lot these days. It's, it's a word that I think is used as an excuse sometimes. I think it is an actual problem sometimes, I think. But, but it's something that you hear a lot more. I was talking to Paul the other day, and there's a buzzword, and you college kids know what it is. It's test anxiety. And Paul said, they don't have test anxiety, they have lack of preparation. And I think most of the time that's true. Most of the time when my anxiety comes from the lack of me in something. But I thought, just curious, let's see what the statistics say about anxiety. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental, I'm going to say this in quotes, mental illness in the United States. 40 million adults in the United States, age 18 and older, are reported to have anxiety disorders. That's 18% of the population. Now, that's the ones that are reported. Um, to have, and that, when we're talking like some kind of clinical anxiety disorder. Um, they cost the United States more than $42 billion dollars a year. That one was staggering to me. $42 billion, um, that's one-third of our country's 
uh, mental health bill. $148 billion goes to health. $42 billion of that is from some sort of anxiety. And people with anxiety issues are also more likely to suffer from depression. Um, they're more likely to have other health problems. Because the way you think causes all kinds of other health problems, right? Stress causes heart attacks. We all kind of understand that. Well, anxiety is a form of stress. So this is clearly, clearly a problem that we're dealing with in our, co- in our culture, in our country. Um, and it's something that we're dealing with in the church. So let's look at what God's word says about it in in Luke chapter 12. Luke 12 starting with verse 22. And I'm going to read down to the end of the chapter and then I'm going to we're going to look at different points of this passage. But Luke 12:22 and he said to his disciples, "Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life." what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, Why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, or the grass which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added unto you. Our main concern as Christians should be, should always be, the state of our soul in front of a holy God. What is our position before the Lord? It's a very simple question. Uh, Proverbs 4.23, he says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Where is our heart? What is our position before Christ? We here at Sovereign Grace make it a goal that we would cause you to examine yourselves. Examine yourselves in Christ. Examine yourselves according to Scripture to see that you're in the faith. We want to make it known now if you're a false convert. Or if you're a professing unbeliever, we want to make it known now what the ends of that is. Or if you are a believer, but you're living in some sort of sin, we want to make that apparent through the Word of God, through His Holy Spirit, so that you can repent and put your faith in Christ and live a life that is glorifying to him. So as Christians, God does not want us living and speaking and acting with an anxious heart. That's not his de- desire for us as his people. But yet we still have this problem 
this major anxiety problem in our culture, in our country, and in our church, in his bride. So we want to solve this. We want to take steps in solving this problem of anxiety. But before we can take the steps to solve the problem, we need to find out the cause of the problem. What is the root of anxiety? Why do we have anxiety? Why do we have fear? Why do we have depression? And now if you look at verse 28 in that passage we just read, I believe he tells us the reason why these problems arise. Verse 28, But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? And listen to this last part. O you of little faith. What is the root of anxiety? What is the problem? It's unbelief. As unbelief creeps into our hearts... One of the results, there's many results, when unbelief starts to find a posture in your heart, there's many results. One of them is anxiety. And you may say, but I can't help it. You may say, but you just don't understand. You just don't understand what I'm going through. I can't, I can't help it. It's just the way it is. Well, look at the, look at the passage. In verse 20, 22, Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. Do not. In verse 25, he says, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? He certainly makes it appear that the anxiousness is controllable. Verse 29, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, what? nor be worried. Jesus clearly teaches here, do not be anxious. He doesn't say, try not to think about it. He doesn't say, oh, I know that you can't help it. Everybody's dealing with it, so it's okay. No, that's not what he says. He says, don't do it. Do not be anxious. Do not be worried. Do not fear. And we could go through the scriptures front to back, and there's many, many places where he says, do not fear. Do not be anxious. Do not be worried. But how can we do this? He says, don't do it. And that's easier said than done, right? Does anybody in here deal with this? Does anybody in here fret on things and worry about things and have such an anxious feeling that it almost it becomes a physical pain? That stuff happens. I'm not denying that happens, but I want to give you some things that's going to help. With the Holy Spirit, it's going to help. So how can this happen? How can we overcome the worry? Of course, the big answer to that is with His help. With the power of the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer in Christ, He will help you overcome this. And it's done by taking the focus of our eyes and putting them on things above and not on things of the earth. Or not, instead of focusing on the external like we are so inclined to do, we focus on the internal. You know, anxiety is a bigger problem in the United States. We heard about wealth this morning. We have more wealth than probably any other country in the world as a whole. And yet we have more anxiety than anybody else as a whole. Why? Because we put so much focus on the external. And while doing that, we neglect 
the focus on the internal. We neglect the focus on the soul. I like I like watching Ray Comfort, listening to him, and I've used his techniques on the street. A lot of times he'll come across, and there's and if you're in Oklahoma, it's amazing. A lot of people you talk to on the street are Christians. I mean, almost everybody. I, I say I say almost everybody until you go to a college campus, and then you'll find a lot more claiming atheists. But you go out, and a lot of people claim to be Christians. And one of the things that Ray Comfort does is he likes to show them where their heart lies, and he'll just he'll just ask them a question: Hey, what, what was the last thing you ate? When was the last time you ate? And they, oh, today at lunch I had Subway or I had Chick Fil A or I, you know. And they always know. And it's always the last meal. We don't miss very many meals here in the U.S. So it was always just real recent. It was always pretty good. And then he'll say, "When was the last time you read your Bible?" Well, uh, and and you just you can feel the immediate change. And the the conviction come on them, and and it's like a backpedaling the guilt. And I, I well, I I really don't have that much time to read the Bible. Oh, but you have time to eat. You have time to feed the external. You have time to feed the flesh, but you do not have time to feed the soul. And that's what our problem is in this culture. That is what our problem is as sinners in general in this flesh. Spurgeon said this, he said, I love this quote, he said, thine immortal soul is worth far more than that poor carcass of thine, which will soon become food for the worms. We've spent so much time on this poor, dying carcass. I heard it said the other day, we we are not a body that has a soul, we are a soul that has a temporary body. The soul is going to live on forever. Why do we not invest more in that? Our time, our money, our thought life. So much of our anxiety, so much of it, comes from a focus on this carcass. So much of it comes from a focus on our outer beings, on our flesh. And I wondered... I mean, I knew that. I'm, I'm, I'm studying this and I'm thinking that, yeah, definitely most of this comes from this focus on the flesh. And so I, I got on the Internet and I, I wondered, what are the top reasons people give for having these flares up of anxiety? What are the reasons? Anybody want to guess the number one reason? We heard about it this morning. Money. Money woes. That's the number one reason. Nobody's really surprised about that. And it's probably not that much different for the Christians and the non-Christians, or at least the professing Christians. Another one was struggles with children. And that one I can understand for sure. Trying anything new, going somewhere for the first time. The fourth one on the list was not being able to predict the future. The fear of the unknown, in other words. I don't know what's on the other side of this decision that I have to make. And so, therefore, I get extremely anxious about that. And people laugh, but it's true. 
we all, I think all of these we, we all probably struggle with on some level or not. The list goes on and on. The truth is there's many things that trigger anxiety in people, and, and it's different. But you notice that on that list, it's all on the exterior. The only one that's not directly focused on myself is the children. And even then, I'll just tell you this. I see a lot of people, and their stress of their children is not always for the best being of their children. So many times, what we're worried about our children is the perception they give of us. Look at the, look at the, the culture that we're dealing with and the fanatic um, side of sports and even, even in academia, but especially sports. It's like we will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars taking kids to pitching lessons or volleyball lessons or I know I met a guy in Texas his his job was giving pole vault lessons and for what but these parents we we want to boast in our children like somehow and so even the things where you deal with children many times is still a selfishness and then there's others that aren't there's others that it's a true anxiety for your for the sake of your children. But look at trying anything new. Trying something new. Going to somewhere for the first time. Why? Why does that cause anxiety? Because I'm afraid of how people will look at me. I'm afraid I won't fit in very well and I'll feel isolated. Or I'm afraid too many people is going to be coming up and I'm going to fit in too well. And then I'll feel like I'm obligated to talk. I mean, there's all kinds of these things with anxiety but the thing and and here's the here's the reality here is the reality some of us are found in a much better circumstance than others on this earth Nate talked about that this morning god does not give us all the same blessings physical blessings some people have more money and it all belongs to God. All of the wealth belongs to him. And he has blessed with some with more and some with less. And it has nothing to do with the person. Some of us were born, well, just the fact that we're all born in America means financially we're way more blessed than most of the world. Right? So circumstances can be different. And some of us are in better circumstances than ever others. But this anxiety problem Joy and even happiness is not found in circumstances. I have seen free men living in prison. And I've seen bondage. Men in complete and total bondage living outside of prison. Have you ever seen one who had a spirit of joy amidst the trials? Have you ever met somebody like that? They're going through some kind of major trial and they just still have this spirit of joy and don't you just love to be around those people where does that come from that does not come from the flesh that comes from christ how about the one who was still in complete and utter depression even though they had what appeared to have it all i remember several years ago um tom brady had one like 
I don't know, his fourth or fifth or sixth Super Bowl, however many of that guy's won. The, the, the discussion is, is he the greatest of all time? Or is he the top three quarterbacks of all time in the NFL, making millions upon millions of dollars, more Super Bowls than anybody else? And he was at a press conference and he said, it just feels like there's still something missing. You know why? Because it was. He was. He's still missing the fullness of life. There is no hope in all of that stuff. He can win 10 Super Bowls and have all the money. And it's like Nate said, when he dies, he can't take that with him. There's nothing invested in eternity. So here you have a guy who is battling. He, doesn't, he may not know it, but he's battling a form of depression. He's battling a form of anxiety, even though he has everything the world could ever want. So your circumstances do not set the standard for this. So quit looking at the circumstances. Spurgeon also said this. He said, I wish even a tenth of the trouble we take to fit our circumstances to our desires were used in fitting our desires to our circumstances. That's what God wants to do with us. That's what he does with his people he takes our heart. That's what prayer is mostly about. You know, as I grow and as I understand and I study the Word, I realize prayer is way more about God changing me than me changing Him. First off, I can't change Him. But we know that we pray and we ask God and we ask Him for this and this and this. I find myself more and more asking Him, God, whatever it is, make me accept it. Cause me to be good with that. Change my heart to match your heart. Change my will to match your will. And I've also found in these times of worry, God's armor is quite sufficient. Turn to Ephesians 6 with me. And at some point I would love to expose it through this chapter. But that's not, that's not what I'm going to do today. But I do want to read it from verse 12 to verse 18. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. This is not an earthly battle. This is not something that we have to get into some kind of war and keeping up with the Joneses or keeping up with our neighbors and on all of these earthly possessions. It's not even some kind of medical battle dealing with the physical body No, it's very clear all of our fight as Christian people is a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual 
wickedness in high places. This is Satan's game. Him and his minions, guess what? They love anxiety. They love it. They love to see you get nervous and anxious and fearful. They love stress. They love distraction. They have many, many tools which they use to attack you. This is one of them. They love depression. There's nothing that makes them happier than see a Christian fall into some sort of spiritual depression. And they will use whatever lie they can fester to make you fall into this. But I want you to notice something about this armor. Most of the armor he lists here is for defense. It's for attacks. And it is useful for defense against all Satan's poise, against all of his methods. And anxiety and fear is one of those. It's defense against these demonic influences. And this is what I'll tell you. Trust the armor. Trust Christ. That's what the armor is. When you look at each one of those things, it's all Jesus. It's Christ. And he defends you. Put it on. Think on him. Trust in him. And he gave us one offensive weapon. One way to take ground. One way to advance. And that is the word of God. Our sword. And here's my suggestion in that. Learn to use it. I want to take note now on one piece of armor that he did not give us. There's nothing to protect the back. You notice that? There's nothing on the back of the man. There's nothing. It's all the breastplate, the helmet, the shoes. Nothing protecting the back. Why is that? Because God knows nothing of retreat. And his armor reflects that. So do not back up. Do not turn around to run. Dig those shoes of the gospel of peace into the ground and you fight this fight. When you get anxious, when anxiety comes and you want to quit, and you want to lay down, you want to roll up in the fetal position or go to your safe place, uh-uh. there's no armor in the back. There is no retreat. You dig in and you stand. You stand on the word of God. It's not a physical battle. Nor, listen to this, is it your battle. The battle is the Lord's, so turn to Him. How do you do this? How do you stand solid when the attacks are coming? Because trust me, they're coming. If it's not anxiety, if it's, it's going to be some other type of sin. If it's not anxiety, it's going to be some type of slander or persecution. The battle is coming So turn to him. And he says that in verse 18. At the end of the armor, he gives us praying. Praying at all times in the spirit. With all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Philippians 4, 6, he says, do not be anxious about anything. There's another, do not be anxious. But in everything by prayer and supplication, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Do not be anxious about what? Anything. And so he's given us some insight here on how 
to defend against anxiety? And the answer is prayer. What is that thing that you worry about? What is that thing that you are letting dominate your mind? What is that thing you are fretting on and dwelling on? I know in the past I've spent many hours worrying. And sometimes it's about spiritual matters. Sometimes it's about relationships within the church. Sometimes it's about relationships I have with my family. Relationships I have with other people outside the church. There's all those things that come up. And you sit there and you fret about them. Running fake scenarios. Does anybody else do this? Run fake scenarios through their head? Like, I'm going to say this, and then he's going to say this, and I can't believe he's going to say that, and I'm going to... And they never even said it, and then you actually go and talk to them, and it, they completely... Yeah, we do that, and we over and over, and we spend hours upon hours doing that. And I've been there, and when I'm doing that, I'm ignoring Paul's instructions right here, which says, in everything, prayer and supplication... And then I get on my knees and the anxiety goes away. Can you imagine if we spent the same amount of time praying on that situation that we spent worrying about it, how much stronger we would be in Christ, how much less anxiety we'd have? I mean, just think about the things that you get worried about. How many times are you worried about them and you haven't prayed about them? Most. Or you haven't prayed enough about them. If you don't believe me, just try it. Next time you start getting nervous about something, fall to your knees and see what he does. Behold the glory of God in that moment. And then the other major thing to do to fight anxiety and fear is to learn to use the weapon God gave us. Like I said earlier, learn to use it. If you were a soldier going into battle and they gave you a sword and you did not know how to use it, you were untested with the sword you would have much fear. And rightly so, because you're probably about to get your head cut off. If you don't know how to use the weapon that God gave you in spiritual battle, that's where fear comes from. It's kind of like the test anxiety. That's not test anxiety. That's lack of preparation. And so we need to study the Word of God diligently. Search the Scriptures. You have anxiety problems? And listen, we don't even have to have all the books that you used to have to have, get online and search scriptures dealing with anxiety and start reading them. Verse after verse after verse, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, do not worry, do not worry, do not fear. Memorize them. And when the attack comes, if they come into your head immediately and they help you to fight against these things. Another thing, show up when the word of God is being taught. Because there's some, certain things you can't get from just one verse. You have to get the concept. Understanding biblical principles in their entirety will help overcome this unrest in your soul. One of those is the providence of a loving and holy God. If you are a Christian, that means you've trusted him with your eternal salvation. Correct? Completely, entirely, it's up to him. You've entrusted him with your soul, with the most valuable part of your being. You've given it to him. You've staked your entire eternity on his goodness and on his mercy. And yet we struggle with, what, finances? 
when we struggle with what being in crowds, being in um, not knowing the other side of a decision, jobs, your car breaking down, whatever it is, we struggle with that, although we will trust our eternal soul to him. Romans 8:28 we all know it and we know that for these for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose that's the part that we seem to forget all the time he may use something drastic in your life for his glory and guess what if that's the case have no anxiety in that trust him trust him that on the other side of that he's going to be gloried and you're going to be blessed Because a Christian is blessed when God gets glory. That's a fact. God is sovereign. He is in control. This is the same God who died for us in our place. Let's not forget that, okay? He died for us. He left glory and came and lived on the earth to die for us. And yet we're going to not trust him. Calvin said this, For what can be more awfully tormenting than to be constantly racked with doubt and anxiety? And he says, And we will never be able to arrive at a calm state of mind until we are taught to repose with implicit confidence in the providence of God. We have got to learn. And the only way you can do that is by studying the Word of God. Providence of God is not an easy subject to get your mind wrapped around. His sovereignty is not an easy thing. You have to diligently look for it, study it, ask questions, read books, read the Word. Ask more questions, read more books, read the Word. And the truth is you're never going to grasp it. But as you get closer and closer to understanding more and more of it, anxiety starts doing this. It starts dropping. Why? Because God is sovereign. Isaiah 41.10. I'm just going to give you some more scriptures just, um, just to help fight this fight. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold with you with my victorious right hand. You notice what he's saying there? God saying, I, I, I. What do you do? Nothing, nothing, nothing. The Lord, it's his battle. All you do is you you trust in him. And he, he will help you. He will strengthen you, and he will uphold you, what, in his victorious right hand. Whatever the battle is, it's already been won. Whether it's anxiety, whether it's fear, whether it's sin, his hand is always victorious for his people. Second Corinthians twelve nine, he says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Think about that. Next time you feel insufficient, it's because you are. But his grace is sufficient. Next time you feel weak, next time you feel that attack coming, thank God for it because his power can be made known through your overcoming it. Deuteronomy 31.8 
It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. You know, when the children of Israel left Egypt, God went before them in a big pillar of the cloud. And I think another thing that causes much of our anxiety is our lack of patience. Our anxiety in spiritual things especially. We've talked a lot about the carnal things, but we also have anxiety in spiritual matters. We want to see the we want to see God move. We want to see more people being saved. We want to see more people coming and hearing the word of God and we want to see our children saved. And we want to see all of these things. We want to see revival in Ada. We want to see revival in Oklahoma. We want to see revival in our land. And we lose our patience in that. And so it's like the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. You didn't see any of them running around to the other side of the cloud and getting ahead of him. Right? Remember, his time is not our... He is outside of time. So when we get patient, impatient, stay behind the pillar. If you get out in front of him, it'll cause lots of problems. But the Lord who goes before you will be with you. And, and that's a promise. That's a promise to us. He will not leave you or forsake you. And that's one of the greatest things I, fit, I found whenever I learned that my salvation was not dependent on me. And I would struggle with, okay, today I'm doing good. I'm saved. And, oh, no, I'm doing bad today. I've, I've got to repent, and, and which you should repent. But it wasn't for salvation. Once I realized salvation is of the Lord and he's the one who saved me and he's the one who keeps me in his, the palm of his hand, the palm of his victorious hand. Once you realize that, you can rest in him and think on those things and it helps with anxiety. But after hearing that, after hearing all of this, can you still say you cannot help being anxious? You still have that thought. You still, you just, you still just don't understand. I, I can't help being worried. I can't help this anxious feeling. And then I would ask this question. What is the difference between you and the man of the world? The man of the world cannot help being anxious. Why? He does not know the sovereign God. He does not trust. He doesn't know what's on the other side of the curtain just like we don't. But we trust the one who knows. We trust the one who will be there waiting for us. The man of the world does not know that, and he has every right to be anxious. He has every right to be afraid because he has no idea. But if you say you cannot help being anxious, what's the difference between you and the man of the world? If there's an orphan child, physically talking, an orphan child has to worry about where their next food comes from. They have no provider. We have a heavenly father who has adopted us. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be concerned about that. We trust in him. And if you are afraid, this is what Spurgeon said. He said, if you are afraid, surely it is of little use for you to have such a father. Examine yourself. If you constantly are afraid, fear of dying is one of the number one things that unsaved people have. If you have this constant fear of, of dying, or you have this constant fear of what is going to happen with our country or with our 
our nation or our culture or our whatever it is, your family, you have this constant state of fear, it may be a sign that you don't belong to the Father. It may be a sign that you have not been adopted by the Heavenly Father and you're an orphan. And I know that sounds hard, but wouldn't you want to know? Wouldn't you want to know if that's the case? If you claim to be a Christian and you're a false convert, wouldn't you want God to show you now that you're not so that you can repent and believe? And if you are, if you do belong to him, are you not dishonoring his holy name with your worry? With your fear? With your lack of trust in him? I was thinking as we sang this song, listen to that. It's not in this one. Number nine. Okay. Yeah, this one. All I have is Christ. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, okay, this is it. I was thinking it was number nine for some reason. But but think about the end of that song as we were singing it. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus is my life. Do we sing that? When we sing that, do we really mean it? Or is it just words that we sing? I mean, the truth is our mind, our heart's posture, our attitude reflects our, reflects our God. And so how we live our life does that. And I think through this topic specifically, we need to, we need to address it. And, I'm clo- and I'll close with this. He's, I, I, Christians, for the Christians, you are a child of the King. By becoming a child of the king, you automatically are born into a war zone. You're a soldier in his army automatically. And you don't, you do not need to live in fear. You don't need to live in this present state of anxiety. Why? Because you're great? No, not because you're great in any way but because you serve a great king. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I... Lord, I, ha- I have no business preaching this as I know my own heart and its anxiousness so many times. And I know that this was as much for me as it was anybody else. I pray, God, I pray for everyone who heard this message that they would consider these things and that they would consider your greatness, that I, that I would consider your greatness, Lord, and that you would put that, embed that into my heart so strong that whenever anxiety comes up that I would turn to you. Whenever I get nervous about something unknown, I would turn to you. Whenever I have fear about something unknown, I would turn to you. 
and I would not be anxious, that I could obey Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit when he says, do not be anxious, do not be anxious in anything, I would obey him. Lord, remind us of your great glory. Remind us of your great mercy this morning. And I also ask, God, that anybody who don't ha- does not have the ability for this because they don't know you, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them and save them this morning in a mighty way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.